here very, very shortly, so if you can carry on your conversations afterwards, that'd be great. All right. There are some days you just, it, it, when Mark was doing his announcement about the family weekend, there are, there, are some, there are some of those occasions when you're just saying, it's like, it'd be really nice if we released the children now. <laughs> and just being honest. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm sure you parents are probably feeling, it'd be really nice if we released the children now. <laughs> All right, my name is Gary Gallant, and I'm really uh, pleased to uh, be able to be here this morning and to be able to uh, speak from God's Word. And uh, I, I just have to, I guess, preface this message. I, I felt, uh, oh, I guess about a month ago, just something stirring in this area that I'm going to speak about this morning in my heart. And I don't, I don't preach very often anymore, uh, but... Uh, when I do, I just feel like sometimes God gives you something that you carry. And I, I guess this, this message, I, I hope it communicates um, the heart of what it is that I believe God wants to share with us this morning. But you, I, I've been carrying the content of this for quite some time, uh, particularly through some of the challenges that I've faced in my own life and in our life as a family. And so... Um, God arrested me with it about a month ago and just said uh, one morning while we were worshiping, I just felt like uh, we need to be reminded of some things. And so uh, first off, I just want to say I love this church. Uh, I've been, I've been um, uh, a part of Christ Central slash the meeting place for over 20 years. Uh, loved serving as an elder for, I don't know, how many years was it, Joe? I don't know, like many and uh, through thick and thin, up and down and all around. And, but it's, it's uh, I guess this message this morning is born out of uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the things that, that I've learned um, in the battle. And I just want to get right going here so we don't waste a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time this morning, and I, I'm going to try to get through what I have with me. So let's turn in our, in our Bibles, if you have it with you, I think it's going to be on the screen, Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be reading, I'm reading out of the NIV, um, if that's what we have in front of us, wonderful, if not, it pretty much reads the same, from verse 10 on. So I'm just going to read it, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So Father, this morning we're just asking you for your truth. We're asking that your truth would trump everything else in our lives and that God that we would receive from you this morning, that we would experience breakthrough in our lives, God, because of what you have written, what you have given us. And we know, God, that when your word is proclaimed, it doesn't uh, return empty, but it achieves the purpose for which it was intended. 
And so, Lord, this morning we're asking you for that. I, I want to pray right now for this people. I want to pray for this church. And God, I pray this morning that we would understand the dynamic of what it means to be part of what you're doing in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. So everything in Ephesians, and I'm not going to give a recap of Ephesians because that would take up too much time, but everything in Ephesians leads up to the sixth chapter. Everything in um, the first three chapters gives you, Paul gives us a doctrinal, uh, a foundational truth exercise. He leads us through the truth of the gospel. And then pretty much from chapters four to six, he, he basically takes the first three chapters and he shows us how to apply that to our lives. He shows how we must appropriate the foundational doctrinal truths of the scriptures into our own existence so that we can be not just successful on this earth, but we can have an understanding of what it means to live in God's kingdom and to, and to, and to make sure that that is spread throughout our lives. The church was established through the birth, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. A new thing was created, and Ephesians spells that out. So I would encourage you in your... In your spare time, when you're doing your readings, Ephesians is a great place to drop yourself. It really is. And this morning, I just want to try to bring out a few things about this passage that I believe are going to help us. And we already have sung everything that I'm going to say this morning. Because when we think of the, the, the topic of spiritual warfare... In some circles, it can be a very nebulous concept. And I've heard all manner of teaching on spiritual warfare. Some of it good, some of it not so good. Some of it helpful, some of it not so helpful. But spiritual warfare is grounded in the truth of the gospel. And so this morning, we want to recognize that, first of all, number one, if you're going to keep score, that Paul is asking us here to be strong. He's asking us to be strong, to be strong in the Lord. Throughout Scripture in the Old and New Testament, the call is to be strong in the Lord. I don't have time to go through all of the examples that I've put in my pages. But if you take a look at, for example, Moses, he was called continually to be strong in the Lord. Look at Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. There's, there's these calls to be strong in God. There's the evidence of the battle to be fought and won with a complete reliance on God's power and God's strength. And at Christ Central, folks, God is calling us, God is calling us to recognize that there are battles to be fought and won as we move forward. This just isn't going to happen by us gathering together and hoping it's going to happen, there are some practical things that we need to put in place to receive what God has for us as a church. And we have to know that there is a struggle that takes place. We deceive ourselves if we don't think this is the case. I've got to be honest with you. I'm amazed when I meet with Christians from time to time, we, I, I do meet with a lot of people, and in just hearing conversations and hearing, having conversations with Christians that are, that are and that aren't part of our church, I'm amazed at how there's such a lack of recognition, not even of understanding, but a recognition that there's a battle. It's like, don't you know there's a battle? There are some central truths we have to grasp and appropriate if we're going to be successful in advancing God's kingdom in what he's called us to do. We must be ready as there's much to gain in the battle. So first off, subsection of this be strong in the Lord is we have to have confidence and we have to have a new attitude. We sang about that this morning. The prophetic call in Isaiah 52 has been fulfilled in our new identity in Christ. And it reads like this. You don't have to turn there. But Isaiah 52, Awake, awake Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. 
put on your garments of splendor, shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned, free yourselves from the chains around your neck. You see, Jesus set us free. Jesus set us free. Paul is writing to the Christians here. He's not writing to those who don't believe in Jesus. He's writing to those of us who have recognized that the Holy Spirit was calling us to himself and we've submitted our lives to him. That's who he's, that's who he's writing to. You see, we were once darkness. I was once living in the dark. And perhaps some of you here this morning might say, you know what, I don't really count myself as a Christian. Well, I have some... These are blunt truths, and in the interest of time, I've got to be honest with you, you're living in the dark. I, I would even go so far as to say, I wonder where your hope is. I wonder where your confidence lies. Because I know where mine didn't lie before I knew Jesus. I was an angry, angry man. I was fighting against things that I didn't even know I was fighting against. But ultimately, I can tell you this, I hated God. I hated everything that God stood for. And I didn't even really know that I was at war with God. I didn't really understand that I was part of Adam's race. So you go way back to the beginning the sin of Adam and Eve was that they would say, I want to be like God. I want to know as God knows. And they committed sin, and we as a race inherit distance from God, separation from God because of that. And our lives are ruined because of the sin of Adam. Our lives are in disarray. Our lives are without hope. Our lives are angry. Our lives are not adding up to making any sense about anything. Ephesians 2 reads like this, and this is important. You see, I said everything in Ephesians leads up to chapter 6. It says in verse 1, You, I, was dead in my transgressions and sins. I wasn't I wasn't just sick. I was dead in my sins, spiritually dead. I used to live in those when I followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Whether I realized it or not, and I didn't, I was subject to the ruler of the air. The Bible refers to that person as Satan. That's who I was subject to. All of us also lived among them at one time. So just in case you think that I can escape this, you're part of that. You were part of that if you know Jesus. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I was deserving of wrath. I didn't realize it, but I was at war with God. I was separated from Him. I didn't know who He was. But, and I love this, but because of the great love of God for us, who's rich in mercy, he made me, he made you, he can make you alive in Christ even when you were dead in your transgressions. You could be sitting here this morning not knowing Jesus and you can recognize that the God of the universe loves you, he wants to rescue you, he wants to give you hope, life, a future, and where you're sitting this morning, you can say, I want to be hopeful. I want to have mercy in my life. I want the trajectory of my life to change. And in a moment, you can be changed. That's the truth. He's rich in mercy. He made us alive in Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace we've been saved. You see, it's not anything that you earn. Jesus did it all. We celebrated it last week at Easter. He did it all. He took upon himself your hatred. He took upon himself your shame. He took upon himself all of the negativity in your life. He took upon himself everything. And 
He absorbed it on himself. He became sin for us on the cross. And he died a death. He died the worst death. But three days later, he defeated death and he rose from the dead. And if you put your trust in Jesus this morning, then the rest of this message, you can say, you know what? I'm in this. And maybe there's somebody here this morning who say, you know what? I'm at the end of my rope and I just don't even know what I'm going to be able to do with my life. I just feel, at this moment, I just feel to stop. And I just want to help you and I want to pray for you. We good? Are we tracking here? <laughs> okay. So, Let's just, all of us, just close our eyes for a moment. And I, without embarrassing anybody, if there's somebody here this morning and say, you know what, what you're saying adds up to me, and I am lost, and I realize my life is going nowhere, and I need Jesus, I need this God that you're speaking about to come and to release me and to give me purpose, I just want you to stick your hand up real quick. I just feel like there's one or two here in that situation this morning. Don't be afraid. There's one. God is speaking this morning. He uses imperfect vessels like me. So Lord Jesus, would you receive that person and just put their hand up. I just want you to, you can just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, would you come into my life and would you give me purpose? I recognize that I am lost, that I'm without you, and I need you to come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Would you come and save me now in Jesus' name? Would you fill me with hope? Would you fill me with peace? Would you give me uh, a release from the burdens of my life? And would you help me in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. So we can, we'll stop for a moment there. Now, I'm not going to point out who that person was. But I think, yeah. You see, as believers in Jesus, we have a new ID card. You have new identity. You have a new identity. We are in a good tree bearing good fruit. The Bible calls Jesus the vine. And guess what? You're part of the vine. When you become a Christian, that man, that woman this morning who became a Christian, you have been taken out of a tree that can't bear good fruit, and you've been grafted into this new vine where there's life flowing everlasting to you. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you live in the vine. You don't have to force yourself. You're in the vine. You're in Jesus. We have a new way of thinking. We learn to think differently. We have a new disposition, even a new nature. The Bible says we have a new nature. We have a new motivation for living. And you know what? That extends as a blessing to our city, to our families, to our friends, and to the nations. We're sons and daughters of the living God with all the privileges attached to that. Like, you realize how impacting that is? That you can call yourself a son or a daughter of the living God? That's amazing. That's amazing. And in the traditional sense, as a son or a daughter of the living God, you have the inheritance that comes with that. All the benefits. We have to be able to stand and be aware of who we are in Christ, our identity, our identity, our identity, how we think of ourselves. We sang about that all morning. Is it any accident? Is it any accident that identity is the issue today? You see... This is the crux of the gospel. The crux of the gospel, the key of the gospel is, is that when you become a Christian and you know Jesus and he comes into your life and changes you, you have a brand new identity. Your identity is in Christ. It's not in who you were, it's in Christ. And one of the weakest points in our church life today in the West is we don't understand that. 
It's the biggest deal. And the reason why the enemy would come and seek to cheat, kill, destroy, and lie about identity is because it's so crucial. I don't know who I am. I don't know that I'm a man. I don't know if I'm a woman. I don't even know what I am. It's, 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 it's the truth. That, that's what's happening today. I don't know who I am. You see, because identity is where the enemy is going to go. He's going to attack at the basis. He's going to attack at identity. Don't, don't be surprised there's warfare, folks. But our identification with Christ is the key. And the fact is, is that the war has been won. And our job as believers in the church is to mop up after the war has been, been won. If you think about it, during World War II, the war was won before the war was actually declared over. Do you know that? But did that prevent the enemy armies from fighting? Even though the writing was on the wall? Even though Italy fell in World War II? Even though all of North Africa was gone? Even though the, the allies were marching into France and they had, they had taken the beaches at Normandy? The war was over, folks. But the enemy kept fighting. There are still skirmishes and battles to fight. We'll have our trials. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that that takes place. We'll be lied about. We'll be slandered. We'll be misrepresented. We'll be written against. Sound familiar? There'll be attacks. There'll be attacks on your marriage. There'll be attacks on your church life and your involvement in church life. There'll be attacks like, like the, the enemy is a liar and he comes to do that. He's the best. He's, a, he's the best liar ever. That's the only thing he's really good at. If we're understanding that there's still battles to be fought, our tendency will not to be questioned and say, where is God? He doesn't love me. You see, we have to come in line with the truth of the gospel. So when negative things come our way, when attacks come our way, if we don't know who we are in Christ, our first automatic is to say, God doesn't love me. Where is God? He doesn't love me. I'm no good. And you hear that voice saying those things. I remember when I was young in my Christian life, I was walking across the Westmoreland Bridge and I said, God, I just wish you would show me that you love me. And I, was, I basically said that all the way across the bridge. And God spoke to me right by the police station. There was one time I didn't have to visit the police station for negative reasons. But I was right by the police station. I remember, never forget it. And God spoke in my heart and he said, I've showed you that I've loved you I've shown you by my son dying on the cross for you and he rose from the dead and he empowered you for living. I've already shown you, Gary. I know this sounds old hat. Like, folks, there's nothing new under the sun here. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 8.44. He says, that Satan was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when those lies come. When we succumb to fear, fear paralyzes us. When the thoughts of defeat and temptation to give up come, and they will, let's be honest. In the past year, I want you to, I, I, this is participation, audience participation. In the past year, how many of you have been tempted to give up? I've got my hand up here. How many of you have been tempted to throw in the towel? Eh, look around, look around, put the hands right up, okay? So, okay, listen to this one. Here's a scripture. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to and women.
when the thoughts of defeat and temptation to give up come, we do as the scriptures tell us. 2 Corinthians 10.3. I mean, I'm going to get to this. Time is slipping away. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Okay, now hear this. Stick with me here. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish what? Strongholds. We demolish arguments, this stuff. We demolish the arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's where we have to do what we got to do. We take captive every what? Thought. You take captive those thoughts and what do you do with it? You make it obedient to Christ. It's all in the Bible. See, this is scriptural, positive self-talk. It is. It's, it saves your life, folks. It'll save your life. It'll save your family. We preach to ourselves as David did. You see, this is a good thing. David in Psalm 42, what does he say? Why, my soul, are you downcast? I mean, he had a lot of stuff going on. I mean, he was ducking spears. I mean, he, did, he had some nasty things happen to him. He did some nasty things himself. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed with me, within me? So he, what's he doing? He's talking to himself. And he says, put your hope in God. He's preaching to himself. He says, I will, what? Praise him. My Savior, my God. Worship is a weapon. We acknowledge God for who He is and we worship Him. We stand our ground in the strength of God and the truth of His Word. I'm going to bring Barb up. She's just going to give a short testimony about this. Come on up, Barb. We've got a microphone. Um, when Gary was talking about what he was going to preach on this week, I said, well, that's what I do every day. <laughs> I teach kids how to fight, <laughs> how to fight against all the things that give them anxiety. I deal with kids with, um, have been through trauma and um, just kind of typical kids that are just struggling with anxiety. And there's millions of people in Canada that struggle with it all the time. And so a lot of these kids aren't even diagnosed. So it's pretty cool to be able to get in and help them before it turns into something they need to go to counseling for or, um, you know, that really interferes with their life. And so it's, it's pretty neat that all the evidence-based strategies that we use are really also in the Bible because <laughs> we do a lot of helping them be aware of their negative thoughts and and fighting them with positive thoughts and also we have this little ladder that we it's called the ladder of bravery and you break down your anxiety and your problems step by step and you can find it all in the bible about not running away from your fears and and learning how to step step into being uncomfortable and facing them and the really neat thing is i'm like I'm not allowed to talk about the Holy Spirit in my work, but if parents ask me, <laughs> then, then I can. And I can pray for them if they ask me to, because a lot, a lot of times they, they want to know, like how, because I share how I had to overcome anxiety and be off work a few years ago and be um, just overwhelmed and not knowing how to put one foot in front of the other, and then how all of the, the kind of, things that we can get from work like counseling and um, you know the regular stuff like diet and exercise but also putting worship and prayer and family support and friend support all together into just taking that one step and how we tell kids that um, overcoming the enemy their own enemy in their mind and 
lots of times they have enemies, real enemies. It's not all in their mind of their family situations and their friends. But it, how it doesn't have to look like a superhero. Being really brave often looks like we, sh we draw it out, sweaty hands, <laughs> butterflies in your stomach, shaky legs, but taking like one step toward it and conquering it. So it's amazing that we can have all of these strategies, but we have the Holy Spirit who empowers us to put those strategies into place because oftentimes it's very, very hard. And, and it's a, sometimes a lifelong thing that you have to battle, but together, bringing it to the light, and, and you can power through with the Holy Spirit's power, not on your own. So also, Gary's probably going to mention this, but I wouldn't mind chatting with you or praying after the service, too, about it. Thank you. I married up. <laughs> I just did. Perfect segue to part B of Be Strong in the Lord. Lest you think that your confidence is just in yourself. Your confidence is not in ourselves, but in God himself. We've already alluded to it. But without recognizing that the power of God is the source of our strength, all our efforts are going to lead to frustration and burnout. We are not pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. Unfortunately, there, I've, been, I've been in church meetings where that message is basically preached. Well, you know what? You just got to, as Barb said, you just have to power through it. You got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and you just got to persevere. But what about the power of God? The power of God is with us and for us. And it's by being filled with His Spirit continually. Paul says to go on being filled with His Spirit. It's about being filled with His presence. It's by being with Him that we're able to be strong in Him. See, we really need to get into the habit of doing something which I'm afraid the world does very little of. And that is, we need to learn how to become still before God. Like, we're inundated, folks. We're inundated. There's so much static in our lives and as believers, we have to pr protect ourselves and we have to learn how to, once again, become still before God. Psalm 46. We all know the scripture. It's on coffee cups, for goodness sake. Be still and know that I am God. It becomes a pithy statement. It becomes one of those statements that you read on Facebook pages. Be still and know that I am God. But... Do you know the context of that scripture? The context of that scripture is interestingly, it comes during the middle of the battle. This is how it reads before you get to that part in verse 6. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, what? We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And here's the key. There is a river. River imagery is what? It's synonymous of the presence of the Holy Spirit and His power. The river of God. Jesus said, out of your bellies will flow what? A river. A river. There's a river whose streams do what? They make glad the city of God. Who are we? None but the city of God. You see, the city of God is us, if we haven't figured it out. The holy place where the Most High dwells. It's like, we've said it many times, but folks, you've got to understand, you're a container of the Holy Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jeff, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Gina, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, of His presence. Jerusha, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Joe, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And collectively, we the church, we are what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. We must learn to become still and know that He is God and spend time in His presence. Folks, 
One of, my, one of my concerns when I look across the church, not just this church, but the church, is we're so caught up in so many things that we forget about His presence. We forget about living and basking in His presence and enjoying Him just because He's Him and being and sustaining and Him giving us life and giving us hope and giving us joy. We miss that. Guys, when we don't be still and know that He is God and know that there's a river that flows through our lives, that flows through this church, God wants to release and in an unabandoned way, He wants to release His river of His presence here. And He's doing it. There's something happening, folks. There is a river of his presence. We had evidence of it Thursday night. I wish all of you could have been there Thursday night. We had our Thursday night all together up. Well, I want to tell you, God's presence was so sweet there. I love being with Jesus. I love being with Jesus with his people. I love it when he speaks. I love it when he, he tells us the things that are closest to his heart. I love that. But I also love it doing it by myself, with him, in my study, and just me and Jesus. And guess what he does? I am still, and I know he's God, and he fills me with his spirit there, just like he does on a Thursday night, just like he does on a Sunday morning. I'm sorry I get excited about this stuff, but it's, it's life to me. My life, my life has, look, folks, I'm not, just because I don't want to betray confidences, and, 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 and perhaps draw attention to some situations that are still very fluid. Like, we've had some challenges. But God, but God, but God. It's about finding our strength in His presence where we recognize that Jesus has already won the victory and He advocates and intercedes for us. Check out Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that what? The eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He's called you. Folks, this is all about identity. This is all about His presence. The riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, that's us, and His incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion every name that's invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come you see all that warfare talk in ephesians chapter 6 it's rooted in chapter 1 it's jesus who did it he won the victory he's won the war folks he empowers you he invites you he says i just want to spend time with you so that i can speak to your heart so you can know me and know my strength i'm going to bring emily up emily we emily was there on thursday night and she just shared this with me at the end of the meeting i just thought it fit so well with this so you don't even know what i'm talking about this weekend so Emily, just, just briefly, just share what you brought. Sure. So um, while we were worshiping on Thursday night, um, it, was, it was very powerful, like Gary said. Um, and I had this picture of Jesus. And um, Jesus was riding on a horse, a white horse, like it says in Revelation, that he's going to come back um, on a horse. But he wasn't just, you know, trotting along. He was at a full-out gallop on his horse coming in urgency um, coming in power to claim his bride, and we are his bride, and um, it was, I just had this sense that nothing is going to stop Jesus from claiming her and from having her. Um, his desire is for her and for her good, and he just longs um, to fulfill that union of the promise um, yeah. with her, so, yeah. That's great. Thank you, Emily. Isn't that wonderful? It's like, you know, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> See, the reality of the triumph of the cross must seep into us. Tim Keller says it this way. He says that we need to place the landmines of the truth into our heart. Isn't that a great analogy? We've got to place the landmines of the truth in our heart. When landmines are placed... There's no conflict, is there? Because you're placing a landmine. But when the enemy comes, that landmine is there. And what does it do? It destroys the enemy. 
Folks, we need to do that. We need to be in his presence. We need to be in his word. We need to love his word. We need to know his word. We need to drink from his word. We need to make room for him individually, together as a church. We need to know the truth. Paul's always banging on about, I need, you need to know some things. He needs to know some things. Knowing the truth will prevent us from being at the mercy of the sins of others. Knowing the truth will be, it will solve the whole thing when people seek to hurt us or when they say hurtful words to us, when they offend us, when they attempt to offend us. You know what? If you know who you are in Christ, I'm not saying you won't be hurt, but you'll be able to take that hurt somewhere. And it doesn't have to cripple you. It doesn't have to disable you. It doesn't have to take you out. This is what we mean by having an eternal perspective. Jesus is coming back, just as Emily has shown us. He's coming back. He's not coming back as a baby. He's coming back as a warrior king on a horse to bring his redeemed bride with him. It's like, that's us. That's us. It's not by your own efforts. It's by his power. You see, when we're not expecting redeemed behavior from the unredeemed, it keeps us from expending needless emotional energy and going down rabbit holes. Folks, don't go down the rabbit hole. Know who you are in Christ. Know his power in your life. We're a new creation. The security we have in Christ helps us to be a disarming people too. Unafraid to show our weaknesses. You know, the, the, one of the most freeing things I've learned in the past 10 years is I've learned how to be okay with being vulnerable and showing my weakness. I'm okay with that. Wasn't always okay with that, but I'm okay with it now. I'm okay, quite okay to just tell you that I blow it, that I make mistakes, my staff at my school, like if I make a mistake, I'll get up in front of the staff and say, listen, folks, I want you to know, I really blew it last week. I made this mistake. And they're all like looking at me. It's like, people don't hear that. People hear political apologies, don't they? Happened just recently. Happened just recently. I was in a meeting and, and uh, I was trying to mediate between a student and a teacher, and the teacher's apology to the student was, well, listen, with what I said, if, you know, uh, I'm really sorry if you took that the wrong way. I said, no! I got, the, I got the kid to leave, and I looked at the teacher. I said, that ain't going to fly in here. And shocked because I didn't support that political apology, we had a few words, and then I said, look, this is the way it's got to be. You made a mistake. You got you to call it what it is. And you're going to win people by your vulnerability and your weakness. It's okay. I wasn't mad. I was just like, it's okay. Help us. It helps us to bear one another's burdens. It makes it possible to acknowledge our limitations and ask for help. When's the last time you asked for help? If you need help, you need to ask for help. I'm really good. Some would say I, I'm even prophetic, but I'm, I can't read your mind. Like, if you need help, you need to say so. You need to say, I need some help. You need to be in the classroom of life, and when the teacher says, it's all good, everything good, I need some help over here. Kids are really, kids are great because they're going to say, I need help. Right? They're honest. Folks, we've lost the ability to be honest, but in Christ and in displaying our weakness and choosing to be vulnerable, we can do it. We can say, I need your help. I can't do this alone. And that's why we need each other. That's a whole sermon in itself. Makes it possible to acknowledge our limitations. We can't just be stoic and grin and bear it and push through. We can't do that. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, but he said to me, but Jesus said to me, Jesus is saying to me, he's saying to you this. Okay, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my strength, my weaknesses, so that Christ's 
power would be on me. Jeremy Simpkins preached it a couple years ago. We follow, I'd rather follow a leader with a limp, a leader that's telling me that I'm not perfect, a leader that's telling me I, I make mistakes, a leader that's telling me that I, I need help, a leader that's saying I can't do this alone. I want to follow that leader. Leaders, elders, you got to be weak. You got to show your weakness. You got to show your vulnerability. You got to not be afraid to show that you're limping. Those of you who go in the workplace, don't be afraid to limp. Don't be afraid to limp in front of your kids. Don't be afraid to show your weakness to your kids and to say you're sorry. Don't, for, don't be afraid to do that. Because you see, His grace is sufficient for you. And he will strengthen you, and he will come upon you, and he will give you life. His power, he says, I will boast all the more gladly. Why? Because Christ's power will rest on me. Our security is in Jesus. It's what the world's looking for. The provision of his presence and sustaining grace is the cure for stress-filled lives of anxiety, like Barb was just talking about. I mean, this world is just suffering from anxious, anxiousness and anxiety. The cure is the gospel. The cure is Jesus. The cure is his presence. The cure is be still and I know that I am God. And there's a river that flows within the heart of the city of God. It's there and available to us, folks. We must take advantage of this. His presence and our communion with Jesus is the channel for our peace but his righteousness that's been given to us is the basis for it. You see, it's all about who you are. It's all about knowing who you are. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 30. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to ask Beth and the team to come because we're going to pray for some people this morning. Folks, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. I want you, could you play that new song? <laughs> the one I didn't know, but the one that just like, oh, that ruined me in a good way. You can, you can go ahead and start. See, <laughs> I love this church. I love you guys. I have your stand, by the way. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. I mean, I hear people say they have life verses. This kind of has been my life verse for about 20 years. It is because of him, because of Jesus, who's become my righteousness, my holiness, and my redemption. It's because of Jesus. He's become my righteousness, my holiness, and my redemption. Read it. Chapter 1, verse 30. Powerful verse. It's all about identity in Christ. It's all about my righteousness is found in him. You, you should know the answer to this one quickly. And if you're a Christian here this morning, when I ask this question, like, you know the answer, okay? If you're a Christian this morning and you love Jesus, raise your hand if you're holy. You got to think about it, okay? Because is your holiness based on your efforts? Is your holiness based on your, on your good deeds? The Bible says, what, is, what does the Bible call our efforts and all that? Filthy rags. They're nothing, Right? You're holy because of Jesus. He's become for us our righteousness, holiness, and our redemption. Is my redemption going to be based on all the good things I've done in life? Oh, I'm going to put that on the scale. Go ahead, just start. <laughs> See, God's presence is here this morning. Let's stand. We're going to stand firm in the truth. I got my weightlifting shoes here. These shoes are no good except for one thing. They have a three-quarter inch polycarbonate sole that allow me to do weightlifting stuff in the gym and not be moved. The gospel gives us shoes that are able to stand and they're giving us mobility. See, we have a different shoe for every activity, don't we? The Bible gives us one shoe. The shoes fit it for the readiness. They allow us to stand firm, and they allow us to be agile. One shoe does it. 
You don't have to buy any more Nike shoes for every different sport you play. You don't need golf spikes, Wilf. I didn't even get to the second half of my message because I just felt like the Holy Spirit wants us to stop here. And this is about identity. This is about having confidence in God, confidence in His Word, recognizing we're in a fight. Now, we're going to play this song, and we don't have a lot of time left. But if you would like prayer, if you need help, if you want to just say, you know what, I've, I've not considered my identity in Christ to the place and degree I should have, or I, I, I love Jesus, something new has just gripped my soul this morning, and I want to just have prayer. I mean, whatever the reason, folks, please come and we'd love to pray for you. God is here this morning. So as they play, we're not going to do a whole bunch of calls, okay? If you want prayer, I want you to start moving now even. If you want prayer, if something this morning has struck you and you want prayer, I want you to start coming, okay? I want you to start coming to the front and or to the sides, wherever. And those of us who are part of Christ Center will pray with you. They'll pray for you. Just keep coming. See, the enemy is the father of lies. Don't go up there. Don't get prayer. Don't air out your dirty stuff. Don't go up there. People are going to think you're something wrong with you. That's a lie of the enemy. We take those thoughts captive and we lay them at the foot of the cross and we make them obedient to Christ. Say, no way. I'm not going to take that. If you want prayer this morning, if you're saying, you know what, I need help in my marriage, then, folks, get help. Barb and I almost divorced. Get help. Thankfully, it was 25 years ago. But seriously, it's no fun coming home and seeing your clothes on the front lawn, literally. You need help? You got to ask for it. Come, get prayer. Come and acknowledge. Come and say, God, I just, you might just want to come to the front and say, you know what? I'm putting my feet down and I'm going to stand firm and I want Jesus to come and fill my life with his spirit. Maybe you just need a fresh touch of his Holy Spirit this morning. We pray for that too. We'll cover all the bases. doesn't matter. We're going to sing. Those of you in Christ Central, if you're in a place where you can pray for people, please come and do so. And as they play, you come. All right? Okay, let's, let's, let's do this.